Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the house of the Lord today for worship. Today, we celebrate Reformation, the work Martin Luther did on October 31st, 1517, and continued into the future for the rest of his life. Uh, Did you know there were Reformation attempts prior to Martin Luther? There were at least three other people who tried various types of Reformations. And so my question to you this morning which we're going to hear about in the readings coming up, and especially the Word of God, is why did Martin Luther succeed? Why did his work when the ones prior failed? We're going to see that coming up in the Word of God soon. Order of service is found in your worship folder. Let's begin with our opening hymn, Hymn 200.
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for all of our sin. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by His authority alone, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.
steadfast in your word, protect and comfort them in all temptations, defend them against all their enemies, and bestow on the church your saving peace through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson is from Jeremiah chapter 18. It serves as a basis for Pastor Bodhi's sermon coming up in just a little bit. Why did Martin Luther's Reformation succeed. There's a big difference between what he was aiming to do and what all those reformers before him were trying to do. There's a big difference from teaching somebody just do the right outward thing. Just change the way your feet go. Change, the what, change what your hands do. Change your behavior. 
Eh, no, it's a part of it. But what Martin Luther with the gospel was aiming to do was to direct God's word right at the heart. It was an internal change, not just an external one. It was a change of heart, and we actually did that same thing at the beginning of our service when what was said here we put into practice. We told the Lord about our sins, and we asked him for his forgiveness, and he granted it to us on the basis of his promise. Repentance is a change of heart, and that's what Martin Luther taught too. That's why it lasted. We read, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation, I warned, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built, up, and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it, Now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says, look, I'm preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. This is the word of our Lord. Continue with the anthem.
Second lesson this morning from Revelation chapter 14. Why did Martin Luther's Reformation succeed over the others prior? Is because his wasn't about some nice commentary or words somebody on earth had written. It was about God's promise. It was about the gospel, the eternal gospel that's written here. The message that God has forgiven sinners their sins in Jesus Christ, and that includes you and me. He made it about God, the triune God, and what he said, not anybody else. That's still what we bring today, too. We read, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory. Because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. This is the word of our Lord. gospel. The words of Jesus come to us today from Mark chapter 13, and we read the gospel according to Mark chapter 13. Why did Martin Luther's Reformation succeed? We talked about it was about the heart and repentance. We talked about it's God's message, the gospel, and where you have both of those then Jesus teaches us here, the Reformation succeeded because they kept hold of those truths. They held on to it, and the Lutherans over the years were on guard against those who wanted to change it and revert back to false teaching. Us too. Let's hang on to it. We read, Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. This is the gospel of the Lord. We confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated for the hymn. Mercy and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father 
and from the Lord Jesus Christ, your Redeemer. Amen. God's word we consider in the sermon this morning, the first lesson from Jeremiah 18. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Through these words today, teach, rebuke, correct, and train us so that we will be your vessels ready for every good work. Amen. As many people in our congregation know from their trips over to the Holy Land, when you get to go and visit a historical site in person, that brings history alive. About half my lifetime ago, I was able to go and see many Luther lands over in Germany. And there in Wittenberg, I got to see Martin Luther's home. For a while, it was a cloister or a monastery, and he stayed there while he was a monk and as a professor teaching at the University of Wittenberg. He stayed in that house as he was studying and lecturing on the Psalms and on Romans, and as he was writing his 95 theses. Martin Luther also lived there again later in his life after he got back from the Wartburg with his wife and their six children as he continued to write and preach and teach and make music. Now that Martin Luther house over in Wittenberg, Germany is the world's largest Reformation museum with over a thousand displays, different coins and books and furniture, even a pulpit that Martin Luther regularly preached from. How fitting. What more fitting of a way could we celebrate the Reformation than by taking a trip to the Reformer's house? That is exactly what we'll do as we go along with Jeremiah. Because even though we oftentimes refer to Martin Luther as the Reformer, it wasn't really his hand or his pen that did the reforming. It was the Lord. The Lord is the former and the reformer. So today, let's go to the reformer's house for a reformation perspective and also for a reformation practice. The Lord told Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house. So Jeremiah did that. And at the potter's house, there was the potter working at his wheel. It seems as though the potter's wheel was likely two discs, one on top of the other. Likely it was pushed by his feet, but they were connected so that when he pushed the bottom disc, the top disc also turned, and he could form and fashion and shape the pottery, whether it was a plate or a bowl or a pitcher or some other piece of, of pottery. When Jeremiah got to the potter's house, the, pot, the clay that was in his hand was, was marred. It was useless. It wasn't going to work. It was ruined. So the potter reformed it as the potter thought best, as it seemed right and just to him. The pot didn't need to give permission to the potter. The potter owned that clay, and he got to reform and reshape it as he saw fit. Well, what Jeremiah was going to tell the Israelites about this was the Lord said, 
Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. This is actually a very fitting picture, clay, talking about people. Because in the beginning, that's really how God made humans in the first place. He took Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed life into him and formed Adam and and gave him life. The same thing can be said of you and me in that from dust we are, and because of our sin to dust, we will return. The Lord is the one who owns everything in heaven and on earth. He made the heavens and the earth. He caused the dry ground to appear, and he put us on this spinning rock. He is the potter, the former, and the reformer. You and I, by nature, are marred, ruined, worthless. We need to be reformed, refashioned, and reshaped. The Lord speaks about this, especially to the nation of Israel. He's talking about the Israelites, and especially the people in the southern kingdom of Judah. And he encourages them, you need to turn from your wickedness, from your evil. The Israelites thought, he probably probably won't do anything. Even after God had used the Assyrians to carry away the northern kingdom of Israel about 100 years earlier. 800 years before, Israel, uh, before Jeremiah's ministry, uh, the Lord had made a covenant with the Israelites. They were to worship and honor and serve and obey him only. He would bless them and be their God. But the Israelites had marred that covenant. They had become ruined. They needed to be reshaped and to hear that they were like clay in the hands of the potter. That's really how all kingdoms and all nations and all people have been down through history. We like to think that that we're in control, that, that we can decide what's happening, but we are just clay in the hands of the potter. Thousands and thousands of years ago, the Lord took those people who were only wicked and only evil all the time, and he destroyed them in the flood. The Canaanites, when their sin had reached the full measure, he used the sword of the Israelites to uproot and destroy and tear them down like clay in the hands of the potter. At the end of Jeremiah's book, the Lord gives him a message for all the different nations around Israel and Egypt to the south and even mighty Babylon to the north and tells them that they too will be uprooted and destroyed like clay in the hands of the potter. Like clay in the hands of the potter were the Persians and Greeks and Romans, the papal states and the Holy Roman Empire and the German territories at the time of Martin Luther, China and the United States and Russia and the United Kingdom, all just clay in the hands of the potter. Yet this is the Reformation perspective that the Lord gives to you and me and to those nations too. He seeks to deal on the basis of law and gospel with peoples, with you and me as well. It says here, if at any time I announce that a kingdom or nation is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, 
Then I will relent and not inflict the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a kingdom or nation is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended for it. If a nation or people does evil, the Lord will punish. The wages of sin is death. That's the law. But if by the Lord's word he works in them to turn, to repent from their sin, by his grace he will relent and have compassion. That's the Lord's gospel. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Lord doesn't change, but he can change his course of action when people repent or when people harden themselves and are marred. It was this law and gospel that the people of Jeremiah's time had lost. The prophets and the preachers at Jeremiah's time, they proclaimed, peace, peace, nothing bad will happen, even though you continue worshiping Baal and other false gods. The prophets of Jeremiah's time said, peace, peace, nothing's going to happen, nothing bad, no disaster will come upon you, even though you rely on Egypt instead of on the Lord for help against your enemies. They said, peace, peace, even as people deceived one another in Old Testament Judah. They lost the, God, the law because, according to them, there was nothing wrong. They weren't sinning at all. And they lost the gospel because there was nothing they needed to forgive. The church at the time of Martin Luther also lost this law and gospel that the Lord wanted to use to deal with them by... When you sin, you are told to go and look at a hunk of bone of one of the saints or a piece of wood from the cross or a robe that the Virgin Mary wore. Maybe that will help you with your sin. Or if you're seeking forgiveness, purchase a certificate or say a number of prayers. If you want to know what God says, the church will tell you, not the scriptures. Church of Martin Luther's day had lost that law and gospel that the Lord wants to deal with his people by. When it came to the law, they made their own works. When it came to the gospel, they made their own traditions and laws to be what helps them with sin rather than the perfect work of Christ, which truly saves us. The church of today also has lost that Reformation perspective the law and gospel. The church of today, well, I'll just pick and choose from God's word what I would like to follow and what I don't want to follow. The church of today, whatever society says is right, that's okay. Or whatever individuals feel. Or what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right. They've lost the law and gospel. More concerned with things of this life than eternal life in Christ. This is the Reformation perspective that God deals with his people on the basis of law showing their sin and the gospel showing their Savior. But at the potter's house, at the reformer's house, we also gain Reformation practice. This is what the Lord said. Turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and actions. This is what we do to honor the Reformation, to remember the Reformation, is we repent. 
We turn from our wickedness, and we do that by bringing our evil and our wickedness to the Lord. And he reforms, and he refashions, and he reshapes you and me. We confess our sin to the Lord. What does that is really the powerful word of the Lord. Did you see how many times this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord? He said, I announce this or that. He says, go and tell the people living in Jerusalem, this is what the word of the Lord says. It's the word of the Lord that fashions and reshapes us. That eternal gospel, the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The message of Christ crucified and risen for you and for me. Today, we have come to the Reformer's house to gain a Reformation practice. We confessed our sins and received forgiveness by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, our Savior. At the beginning of our liturgy, we heard in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the words of our baptism, where God shaped you and me, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here at the Reformer's house, we hear his powerful word read and spoken and sung and accompanied. We have come to the Reformer's house today where we hear that eternal gospel, though heavens and earth pass away, his gospel will never pass away. The good news of Jesus, our Savior. We have come to the Reformer's house where his spirit speaks to us through the word and builds us up so that we can fearlessly and boldly tell others as well. That's our Reformation practice as we repent and are reformed by the Lord's word. Martin Luther's first thesis was when the Lord Jesus said to repent, he willed that the entire life of a Christian would be one of repentance. And that is true for you and me too. We want to repent, turn away from our sin, turn toward our Savior in faith every day. Our Reformation perspective that we are clay in the hands of the Reformer. A Reformation practice that we repent. Let's go to the Reformer's house over and over again and give thanks that he reshapes us and molds and uses us in his service. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Sing the Creed in me.
Almighty and eternal God, when the time had fully come, you sent your Son to take our place under the demands of the law and to endure the just punishment for them. For our sake, you accepted his sacrifice on the cross and raised him from death to glorious splendor. Praise the Lord. When the time had fully come, you bestowed your spirit on your people as a testimony that you had called them to proclaim the gospel to every creature. Equipped and encouraged, they carried the word of salvation into all the world. When the time had fully come, you raised up your servant Martin Luther to restore the pure and right teaching of the scriptures to a troubled church. You renewed your people with the light of your love. And your holy church grew and prospered throughout the world. When the time had fully come, you made our forefathers bold to take their stand on the truth of your word. You've blessed their sons and daughters and have enabled us to preserve and proclaim the saving gospel. Let this be a time, Lord, when you renew us again by your word and sacrament, when you reform our hearts and minds, and when you restore to us the joy of fellowship and service. Grant to us in this age and in this place the courage of the apostles, the steadfastness of the reformers, and the dedication of those who have gone before us. May this be a time, O Lord, for confession and repentance. Forgive us for the apathy that harms our faith and hinders our works. Forgive us for boasting of our past achievements and for blaming others for our present problems. Rid us of indifference to public worship and Bible study. Destroy the distrust that plagues us and shatter every thought and word that harms the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Let this be a time, O Lord, when we recommit and reconsecrate ourselves to the ministry of the gospel. Let us find joy in our unity, zeal from our work, and success in our labor. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and may his face shine on us, that his ways be known on earth, his salvation among all nations. Amen. Lord, your gospel truth saved Hollis Peck. She knew you and held to you through her time on earth, though her time on earth ended this past week. We know she has eternal life with the triune God she loved. Now, Lord, by the same gospel, help Audrey and Mark Kolosowski and their relatives to grieve with hope. Help them hold firm to the same eternal life in the work of their Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we also pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.
Good morning, everyone. Special welcome to guests and visitors. Glad you could be here today, and please come worship the Lord with us again. A couple of announcements to share with you. There were two Bible studies today, one in the gym, one here. Today was the last day for each of those Bible studies, uh, but Bible study hasn't ended. Next Sunday, we start a new topic, and I know if you're in the gym, I had been leading up to maybe doing several smaller books of the Bible over the next month. Uh, but for the next four Sundays, what I just decided to do, I've wanted to do this for some time, but we're going to do a series of four Sundays on mental health. And I know it's what uh, kind of is going around. People are interested in it, and uh, I thought we should look at it. So one Sunday is going to be, what is it? How do we define it? The next Sunday is going to be a history of mental health. How did, how did we get to where it is today? The, the third Sunday is likely going to be looking at various aspects of it, and then the fourth is... How does a Christian deal with some of these things in our personal care with people and, and knowledge of what's going on maybe in friends' and relatives' lives? So that'll be in the gymnasium, so no two separate Bible studies. We'll just have one Bible study together in the gym for the next four Sundays. Then we have a note from Alicia Cameron, who's in charge of our Parent-Teacher Federation. Uh, a huge thank you to everyone who played a part in the Fall Festival. From donations to service, food, animals, and everyone who brought a trunk and spent their time, it all played a part in putting our best foot forward as a school and a church. We counted, this, was, this event took place yesterday in our parking lot, we counted more than 250 kids who attended the event. Thanks to God for blessing these efforts and the wonderful weather yesterday as well. So I wasn't able to make it, I was at the Badger football game yesterday, but I had somebody in the neighborhood who was texting me pictures of the car, of the uh, parking lot filling up. Is it, and that, it really, they were parked on the street. It was really quite the event. So uh, thanks to everybody who did that. Then Veterans Day is our next big event. That is on November 11th. And if you haven't heard about this, just a few notes about it. Uh, veterans from our congregation and community are invited to attend as our special guests in our gymnasium on November 11th. Please register by calling our office. If you haven't registered already, you're invited. Veterans are invited to bring a guest, and there's no cost for the night or for the meal. The dinner includes a beef tenderloin, mashed potatoes, Brussels sprouts, and dessert. Congressman Glenn Grothman will be attending as a guest speaker. And then uniforms, pictures, medals, and other memorabilia will be on display. If you have uh, further questions or interest, you can contact Mr. Marone. I know there's also a sign-up sheet in our member room where the mailboxes are. Then a, a couple of announcements. Sue, if, Sue Van Tal, if you want to uh, get set for Living Nativity, we had a, a youth group Bible study today. The youth group started a new, uh, a new uh, section of the Bible. And then also, one thing I forgot in first service but was reminded tomorrow is the funeral for Hollis Peck, and that's right here at 11.30. I believe visitation starts at 10. Sue? Good morning. Living Nativity practice is in one week, so it is crunch time. If you have been thinking about signing up, if you have questions about signing up, if you're not sure what this is all about, Marilyn and I will be in the narthex after church. Please come see us, come talk to us. We are still in need of some cast and crew positions in order to bring this wonderful message to our community. Um, some of the cast that's critical, shepherds on Friday night. We currently don't have any shepherds for Friday. And then we could use another shepherd for Sunday night. A Mary and Joseph 
Since first service, we were able to get a Mary and Joseph for Saturday, but we like to do a rotation of the Mary and Joseph so they can go in and out in case the weather is cooler. So Friday and Saturday nights, we could use another Mary and Joseph each night. Um, we need a prophet for Sunday night, star carriers for Friday and Saturday, and then guards and greeters, we can always use more of those. Now, maybe you're thinking, I'm not interested in being in front of the people. That's just not who I am. We have a position for you, too. We have group positions open. Um, makeup, for example. That person comes an hour before Living Nativity. They help get the makeup on for the cast. And then when the Nativity starts, they're done. You can leave. Um, costumes, there's another one. They come an hour before, and they help everyone get dressed. Because some of the costumes have multiple levels to them. So we need some assistance with that. And then when the nativity begins, then they can leave. Um, serving cookies. What a great thing that you can do, right? You don't have to talk. You could just smile, make sure there's cookies for all of our guests. We have had, in a weekend, Friday through Sunday, like 2,000 people come through this building. It is an incredible event. And like I said, if you're just not sure, please come talk to us after. And I, and I challenge you to just take that just get your feet wet, just take that opportunity and, and come and be a part of it. I think you will see it is just a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And the dates, just to remind you, first weekend in December. Friday night, it runs from 6 to 9 p.m. Saturday, it runs from 6 to 9 p.m. And Sunday, it runs from 4 to 7 p.m. Thank you. Thanks, Sue, for all your work. And I mentioned it to you in first service for the first time, but uh, I was interviewed this past week by a reporter from Ford and Christ magazine, our, our Synods uh, magazine, and it was about our living nativity, and if they can get it in, they're going to put this article in the December edition of the Ford and Christ, all about the living nativity, and sent them a host of pictures, high-quality pictures, and, and so we may even have more people coming this December. So they were, they were very, very uh, excited and interested in all that we're doing to share the gospel. Uh, so thank you. Then I have one more, and this is from Manitowoc Lutheran High School, an update on their project. 